All right. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Say amen. Man, here's like four of you. I'm glad. No, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Last week we talked about belonging. Because I, I just really believe that Jesus, as we look through his ministry, and we're going to dive into it, but as we look through his ministry, I think what we, we, what we find, we talked about last week, is the fact that belonging is important. And people want to feel like they belong. That's why gangs get people, right? Let me tell you, that's why cults get people. It's because they feel like they belong. That's why the Jehovah Witness, I'm just telling you, whether you like them or whether you are one of them, you'll be offended by this point. They, they, they go and they love on people and they make them feel like they belong. So belonging is very important. Jesus said often, hey, follow me. Hey, come hang out with me. Matthew, he, he went to Matthew and said, hey, follow me. Let's go to your house. I want to hang out with not just you, but I want to hang out with all your friends. Right? Now, for some of us, we're afraid to do some of that. Let's be honest about it. Like, for instance, we're not, uh, for most of us in this room, most of us, there are some that are the exception, but for most of us, we're not going to go to the homeless camp that's up here behind Dollar General and go hang out with them. That's just not in our makeup. It's not in our DNA. We're just not going to do that. We don't feel like we belong there, and we're really not that worried about making them feel like they belong here. But Jesus said belong. He wants us to belong. Well, then, then what I find, and we're going to be stuck on this believe for like ever, just to be honest. I mean, it's going to be a while before we get off of believe, and you'll understand why in just a minute. But then I think what Jesus said is, hey, I want you to believe. If, if you'll belong first, if you'll just come hang out with me, and through that time, you're going to begin to believe. You're going to see me. You're going to watch me. You're going to feel. I tell people all the time, I don't need you to come so I can change you. I need you to come so Jesus can change you from the inside out. I don't care if you smoke, smoke, just put it out before you come in the door. Now, this one's going to upset some of you. I don't care if you drink. Just leave it outside the door. Okay? Don't come in here drunk, acting a fool. Right? Because we're going to help you sober up real quick. But I don't care if you do that. Listen, listen. I don't care, men, if you're cheating on your wife right now. Because, listen, listen. Tell you better not. <laughs> she has a machete. <laughs> Listen, because if you'll come spend time with Jesus, all of that will change. Jesus can make relationships right. He can take drunkards and sober them. Okay? So I'm not concerned about trying to fix you and change you. It's not my job. Jesus will take care of all of that. But he wants you to belong first. If you don't feel like you belong, you ain't ever going to come. Now, does that mean that I'm going to quit telling you what sin is? No. I actually read this morning that there was a pastor fired in California because he put out on his sign, which shouldn't have given me the idea, but he put out on his sign uh, something to the effect of Bruce Jenner, uh, your name is not Caitlin, it is Bruce, homosexuality is still a sin, and you are still a man regardless of what doctors did. They fired him for it. Now, I don't know that we have to name people. But let me just say, sin is sin. We're not going to rename sin. We're just going to let it be what God called it. Okay? He's a whole lot smarter than you and me. So if he calls it sin, we're going to go with what he says. Okay? Um, but I, I want to talk to you about believing because 
I, I believe that until we believe in Jesus Christ, now I didn't say just God, because there's lots of people that believe in God that don't believe in Jesus, okay? Uh, my buddy Rick is riding, uh, him and his wife are on horseback from Quitman, Georgia to Jacksonville, Florida this week, and they, they visited with a Muslim man yesterday who said, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Well, he does believe in Jesus, he just doesn't believe in Jesus the way we believe in Jesus, Right? He believes Jesus was a good teacher, maybe a prophet, but not the Son of God, not God himself. So you can believe, but you can believe wrong. So what I want to do over the, the course of probably the next year, maybe year and a half, is I, I want to walk through the book of John. People ask me all the time, hey, preacher, what books should I read? You know, oftentimes people say, well, just read the Bible. Well, the Bible's not one book. The Bible is a compilation of 66 books. But I tell them, and, and just on Thursday night, as the man next to us, we gave him a Bible, and he was very antagonistic. Uh, but we gave him a Bible. He said, well, what book should I read? I'm thinking, you should read the book of common sense. But anyway, I told him to read the book of John. Because I believe that if we'll read the book of John honestly, sincerely, God will work and move and will come to believe that Jesus really is who he said he is. See, the issue that we have in society is not that people don't believe in God. We have the issue in society that people don't believe in Jesus. See, there, there are lots of people that have their own uh, role for Jesus to play. There are some people, some religions like the Mormons, who, the, who believe that Jesus was the spiritual brother of Lucifer. That Jesus is the eldest of the two and... So that's that. Then there's other people, the Jehovah Witness. They believe that Jesus was a good man, that he was a God, but not the God. Then there are some people that may believe that Jesus is a good moral teacher, right? There's some people that believe that Jesus may have even been a prophet who spoke things of the future at that time. See, understand, I hear people say all the time, well, this person's a prophet or this person's an apostle. Let me just real quickly say that neither one of those exist. Not according to the Bible. A prophet is someone who is right 100% of the time. So if someone tells you, hey, I'm a prophet and they're wrong, you should just go ahead and cut their head off. That's what Elijah did. Right? So there is no prophet. And the apostle had to see the risen Christ. Now, the only person in here that could have possibly done that is Norm. And he's not claiming to be an apostle. Okay? So understand that both of those don't exist. So when people start telling you and feeding you that garbage, you know what you should do? And run, right? Move on. Because it's not true. But people have all this different view of Jesus. And they, they say, well, he was this, and he was that, and he was this. The fact is, Jesus himself made claims that he was God's son, that he was God himself. So what do we do with that? See, the four Gospels were written, and we understand that each Gospel uh, was written by a separate person, or I hope you understand that. And so the first three Gospels are called the Synoptic Gospels. That means that they, they cover the same thing, but in their own words. From their own perspective, it's all the same, it's just their perspective. And then you have John. And John is completely different than the first three. So that's why I want to go through John, guys. I, I want to go through John verse by verse, and I want us to see what John is trying to write to us 
so that we might believe in the only begotten Son. So that we might believe in the one who created the world, sustains the world, and gives new life. But I believe that unless we walk through John, I'm not sure that we can do that. I'm not sure that we're equipped to do that because the world is telling us all of this other stuff. So if you have your Bible this morning, you can open your Bible to, guess what, the book of John. And it's real hard. You can go to verse 1. And we are literally, so for next week, well, next week I won't be here, so I can't tell you what it's, what's going to be preached on. But the following week, we'll pick up in verse 6 and continue on from there. So uh, for all of those people who say, Preacher, I wish that I knew what you were going to preach on next week, and that way I could study ahead. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but you have a shot, okay? John chapter 1 and verse 1. Our Bible, the original language the Bible was written in, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The King, the, the King James, the Jehovah Witness Bible says, now you just tell me, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, or and the Word was a God. You see a difference there? Just slight though, huh? They just add a word, but it changes everything. Okay, so verse 2 says, He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. Verse 5, That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather and open your word. God, I pray that you would bless your word. God, I pray that it would find a home in somebody's heart. God, I pray that someone would be radically changed after they leave this service. God, I pray the Holy Spirit would move. God, we can't save anybody, but Father, we know that your Holy Spirit draws them. So God, I pray that he would do his job. God, I pray that he would draw a man unto him. God, we know that your word says if Jesus be lifted high, all men will draw to him. So God, today, help us to lift your son high. Father, help us to understand what you've left behind for us, knowing that the future is bright. Again, Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Who is Jesus? I mean, when, when we read those verses... We, we come back to that question and say, well, who is Jesus? Because we don't see his name there, right? In verse 1, Brother Ronnie, if you'll back up to verse 1. In verse 1, we, we don't see Jesus written out there. It says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But Jesus isn't written there. So how do we get Jesus there? How do we plug him in? Well, Jesus said himself in John 14, 6, just quoting him, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? In John, John writes this for us too. In, in John chapter 14, I believe it is. Oh, I'm sorry, John chapter 20. He, he writes this, and Ronnie, I'm jumping everywhere, I'm sorry. But it says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So after he wrote the whole book, he ended it all. Now there's a chapter after this, but it's not telling us a whole lot, except more of what Jesus did. 
But he, he writes this verse and he says, hey, I wrote everything in here so that you would believe in Jesus. So that you would believe that he is the word. And I believe he started this verse 1 out when he says, in the beginning, he tied that with another verse in the Bible. Are you familiar with that verse? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, right? In the beginning. He ties the word with creation. See, the Bible says that God spoke the world into existence. So if God spoke the world into existence, what do we think words are? They're spoken, aren't they? I mean, it's, it's a picture view. A word is a picture view of something. So God spoke the world into existence. The Bible tells us in John 1.1 1, 1, that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. If God spoke the word into existence, I'm not real smart, but I'm not real dumb. I have to go with the fact that the word had to be in the beginning. He had to be somewhere there, especially as you continue to read, that nothing was created apart from him. He was there during all of creation. So who, who is Jesus? Number one in your notes, you'll find that Jesus is eternal. Jesus has always been and will always be. Jesus isn't someone that was created as some religions believe that Jesus was a created being. Jesus has always been and he will always be. Actually, when we, when we think of the words in the beginning... In the Greek and the Hebrew, it means from vanishing to vanishing, forever and forevermore. He wasn't someone that was like, well, God got bored and decided he'd create someone. That's why he made us. Jesus is eternal. See, understand that you have a God who sent his son Jesus, who is eternal to give up his life for you. So someone who was never going to die and will never die again was willing to come take upon a human body and die for us. Jesus is eternal. That means that he's always there. That means that all these religions who try to say that he may be something else Is wrong. See, the other gospels start out this way. Matthew traces the genealogy of Jesus. Mark begins his life story with John the Baptist. Luke gives the story of Jesus' birth, and he takes us into eternity past, before the creation of man. John begins his story with letting us know that Jesus is eternal. Not that he was born, although we understand that he was born as a man, right? That's not who Jesus is. That's who, that was the picture of Jesus that we got. That was when God parted all of eternity and he stepped into mankind. That's when Jesus became a, a man. But understand that Jesus was already there before he stepped in. He's eternal. Number two, according to the scripture, we find that Jesus is equal to God. Now, this is, this is the part. I, I don't know. Some of you guys may have a better explanation for the Trinity than I do. I mean, I ain't got a clue, just to be honest. I mean, you, you try to think about that, and it's like I just get confused. 
But I've heard some analogies that actually help me a little bit. Sometimes they make me hungry as I begin to talk about them. But uh, an egg. An egg actually has three parts, right? It has a shell. Then it has the gooey white part, right? And then it has the yolk. It's three parts, but it's only an egg, right? Like you can't separate one part and make it something else. It's still an egg. Even if you crack it open and you're one of those health nuts and you take the yolk and you put it off to the side and don't eat the yolk, number one, you got problems we can talk later, but you don't eat the yolk, guess what? You're still eating an egg. And what about if you hard boil an egg, right? And you're shelling that thing you, and then you're getting ready to make deviled eggs. I'm just throwing out hints here. Uh, but you're getting ready to make deviled eggs. And you get a piece of that shell in the devil egg mixture and you crunch down on that. What did you just bite? It's an egg. Now, it's the shell of the egg and it ain't no good to eat, but it's still an egg. So if we begin to think about God kind of in the same term, right? You have the Holy Spirit, the outside. Then you have Jesus, the Son, the white gooey part on the inside, kind of holding it together, right? And then you have the yolk, God the Father. All three parts are still an egg. All three parts are still God. All three parts are still equal. Although there are parts of an egg that are better to eat, but you can't eat an egg without the shell. Because if you ain't got a shell, you ain't got much of an egg to eat. Right? I got a picture from Joy uh, probably a week ago, two weeks ago. Baby boy got into our refrigerator and... Uh, I think we had three of the 18-count eggs. You heard me. I said we had because he thinks he's a chef. He didn't find a bowl either. He had egg from here to Tampa. I mean, they were everywhere. He just, I mean, just dropping them. Do you know what he did, though, with those eggs? When he took part of that off, he disrupted the egg. When the shell busted, the egg became no good. Just like if we try to take Jesus as God away, it changes the picture of everything. God either has to be all three or he can be none. So we have to stop and think about those people who want to say, well, wait a minute, Jesus isn't God, he's a God, right? The Jehovah Witness. He's a God, he's a mini-God, he's subordinate to the Father. No, he's not subordinate unless he chose to be subordinate, which he did. But it wasn't because of a hierarchy. It's because he put himself under the authority of God the Father. They're all three God. They're all three one thing. Now, I don't... I'm going to quit talking about eggs because I'm kind of getting hungry. I didn't have breakfast. Uh, so, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, so they've always been together, right? Except for one moment in history. We know that moment, right? When Jesus was upon the cross and He looked up and He said, It is finished, and God poured the wrath of sin upon Him. Jesus gave up his spirit, and now some of you guys ain't going to like this next sentence, but he spent three days in hell for you and me. He had to be eternally separated from God for you and me. The egg broke, and Jesus went away. 
then he rose from the dead, right? Because then it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He did not take his Godhead and set it aside when he came to the earth. I know people say, well, Jesus didn't sin. He didn't. Well, but he was God. That's why he didn't sin. No, listen. He was 100% God and 100% man at the exact same time. Now you figure that one out. If you can figure that one out, you need to be here and me down there. He was 100% God and 100% man at the exact same time. The God part of him could not sin. The man part of him would not sin. He was not Superman. We think of that a lot, don't we? We think, well, Jesus, man, he was Superman. He healed that lame person. He caused the blind person to see. He raised the boy from the dead. He called out Lazarus. He was Superman. No, he was the perfect human. The perfect human. See, why do you think we can't do certain things? Because sin. We're not perfect, right? And see, if, men, if you think you're perfect, just ask your wife. Women, if you think you're perfect, you are. I'm afraid of women. They got machetes. They get pepper spray and guns as gifts. I'm telling you, we got pots and pans. See, I mean, they're, they're, guys, we got issues. So understand, guys, we are not perfect. Jesus was. Jesus was perfect because he was God. He walked the earth God. But the man part of him wouldn't sin. He was unwilling to. He, the Bible says that he was tempted for 40 days in the desert by, the, by Satan, right? Oftentimes we think, well, those temptations weren't real. I'm just telling you, if I go about 16 hours without something to eat and someone comes and offers me something to eat, I'm ready. Okay? Jesus, could you help me? Jesus said he went 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted. The devil said, hey, since you're God, he knew who he was. He knew exactly who he was dealing with. Since you're God, tell these stones, you've done it before, right? You've done it before. Make that food. All you have to do is say it. No, no. There's more to it. We can survive by the word of God. It was a real test. That's why the Bible says that we don't serve a Savior who was not tempted in the same way that we are, yet he did not succumb to the temptation. And guess what? You don't have to either. And the reason we don't have to is because Jesus was God and made it through. be completely different if he was a God. Right? If he was a God, and in the Mormon religion they believe that when you die, if you're good enough, now, I'm not sure what good enough really is. Like if you have enough money, I, I don't know. I don't know what good enough really is. But if you're good enough, you get to become a little God too. In the, in the Muslim religion, if you're good enough, 
Now, I don't know. This is like punishment, but it's eternal, supposedly. If you're good enough, you get like a thousand wives. Now, men, you tell me. I mean, I'm going to be as bad as I can. I got a hard enough time with a one. That's why I, I think a King Solomon, we'll take a break just for a second. I think of King Solomon, the Bible says that he was the wisest, richest guy to ever live. Right? He asked God for wisdom to rule. And God said, hey, since you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you wealth. And he poured it on him. But the Bible says that he had a thousand wives and concubines, which means he had a thousand mother-in-laws. How smart was he? Just saying. If you're a mother-in-law, I'm not talking to you. I'm just saying, just curious. I told that with my mother-in-law sitting on the first pew the very first time I ever preached. Well, it was 10 years ago, and we've still not talked very much, but... Uh, so it worked out. Uh, if my wife's watching, I'll be in trouble later. Um, all right, number three. So Jesus is equal to God, right? But he is God. There, there's no hierarchy. He's equal. But now he is. I, I don't understand. If, I mean, we, we hear all the time a house divided will fall, right? Like there, in, in churches, there's one lead pastor, right? And then there's everybody else. In God's house, they were equal. And they're both God. So Jesus did the bidding of the Father, yet when the plan was hatched before the foundations of the world. I mean, that's what the Bible says. I'm just, that's what the Bible says. It says, before the foundations of the world, Jesus knew that he would come and die for mankind. Before he created you, he knew that he would have to come and die for you. So the plan was already there. They're equal. They, they kind of, this plan... It comes together, right? They're equal. But now all of a sudden, Jesus is the one having to leave heaven and come and die. And he's just as much God. God the Son is just as much God as God the Father. Are, are you hearing me? We, we serve a God who willingly laid his life down. For you and me. Sometimes I think we, we get to thinking, we understand that Jesus is God. We understand that, you know, the, or we don't understand the Trinity, but we're okay with it. Because most of us, you know, while someone's talking about the Trinity, we're doing this. Uh-huh. Right? I mean, we have the rubberneck effect. Uh-huh. So we, we, we're good with all that. But do we really stop and just think about the fact that the one the Bible calls holy, the one the Bible says you can't even look upon his face without dying, the one the Bible says spoke the world into existence, the one the Bible says holds everything together, left his home, came to the earth to die for me and you, 
And that person is God himself. Jesus is God. The plan was equal. It wasn't like Jesus had to say, well, you know, Dad, I really don't want to go. I mean, I just, that Rudy, I mean, really? And Tina? I mean, come on. I'm online, otherwise I'd say something. Anyways. I mean, he didn't say that. He said, in the beginning, the heavens and the earth were created. God said, let there be light. Meaning, who did that? Well, the Word, right? Because in the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning was the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be light. So who did that? Jesus. But Romans 5-8 tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, but He's the same guy who created us. You mean He really loved me that much? Even some of you He loved that much. Some. See, Jesus, being God, John lays the foundation for the whole book in these verses. He wants us to understand that we're not serving a separate person, that they're one person just revealed in three separate personalities. And that He is God. He is the eternal. He is the I am. He is the one that we read about in Revelation that's coming back on the white horse. He is the one coming back to receive us unto him. See, we don't serve a God who just left us and said you're on your own. You don't serve a God that you got to climb the mountaintop to get to. You serve a God that came down the mountain to get to you. John's laying all the foundation for believing in these first five verses. He's laying the foundation to let us know that Jesus is who he said he is. The Bible in Colossians 1, 15 through 17 says that Jesus is not only the creator of the universe, he is the sustainer. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things, and him and in him all things consist. Do you know what that means? I mean, just if Jesus created everything, right? Now, hear me, because this, this may take some of you the wrong way, and I don't intend it to. But Jesus created everything, but when he created everything, he created everything perfect. Right? Okay. So let me clarify by that. It, it was all perfect. So do you know who he created? Satan. Now, listen now. He created him, Lucifer, perfect. Perfect. What happened, though? Lucifer, pride. Right? The seven I am's. 
I, I will rise above God. I will make myself equal to God. You can find that in the book of Isaiah. But he created him. Now, we're looking at Lucifer thinking, man, he's the devil. Now he's got a pitchfork. He's got horns. He's got a long tail. And we think of that like that, but we don't understand that there are people that are getting off on John 1.1 by one word. See, Satan's not blatant. Satan knows who created him. He knows who's going to win. So he's going to deceive you by one word. He's done it. Think about it. The Jehovah Witness movement is huge. And it's by one word. A. Just A. Right? It's the beginning of our alphabet. You can't have an apple without an A. Right? I'd be skinny without the A. It's in there. Fat, skinny, right? You wouldn't be smart without the A. I don't know what you'd be. Well, never mind. Oh. So, the devil doesn't use far out things to mess with us. He uses small things. And he's a created being himself. He knows who the creator is. He just chooses not to serve him. He chooses to try to wreck everybody else. And guys, he does that with just one word. Because let me tell you real quick that if you think Jesus is anybody but God, you're off. You're off. If you believe that Jesus is anybody but God, then you've missed the whole boat. That's the foundational truth of the gospel. Is that Jesus is God himself and that God himself came born as a baby. Lived on the earth perfect and died upon a cross to redeem us back to him. He just took upon himself the name of Jesus while he was here. And you know what else happens at the name of Jesus? The Bible says that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now catch this. To the glory of the Father. I watched... Uh, I watched a video last night. I was, I was trying to figure out how to play it here, but it was like four and a half minutes long, and I just, I, I'm like, I'm going to talk too long. I won't have time to play it. But I'll give you the basic gist of it. Maybe, I, I know Cindy's seen it because we've watched it in the office before uh, because that's, you know, that's what we do when we're in the office. We just surf the internet and watch videos. Uh, but Samuel Rodriguez, some of you guys may know who Samuel Rodriguez is. Others of you may not have a clue. Samuel Rodriguez is a pastor in California. He's Hispanic, obviously, by the name. And uh, so he was asked to come and pray in a, in a large event. He calls it a, a mucho grande event, right? Uh, mucho, mucho people, he says. But it was, not a, it was not a religious event. It was just, but they wanted him to come and pray. So he said he flew out from California to D.C. to go and pray. And so as he got there, the guy who invited him to come met him backstage, and he said, hey, in the spirit of correctness, right, because the world thinks that we have to be politically correct, 
He said, in the spirit of correctness, we've also invited some other people to come and pray, some, some other faith narratives to come and pray. And he said, we've, we've invited a, uh, a Muslim imam to come and pray. We've invited a universalist to come and pray. We've invited a Jewish rabbi to come and pray. And then you're going to pray. So uh, since we invited you first, where do you want to pray? Do you want to be first, second, third, or fourth? And he said before he could answer, he said he heard a voice inside him say, son, you better wait and do it last so you can fix everything else that they do. So you, the universalist got up to pray and she said, God, you are God. You are everything, yet you are nothing. You hold everything together, yet everything does its own thing. And amen and done. The imam got up and did his little thing or whatever. And the, the Jewish guy got up and said a good prayer, he said. And off. And so he was coming up to pray. And he was worried now because all these people would pray. And there were hundreds of thousands of people at this event. And let me just say real quick, it's okay if you pray in public, but don't say Jesus. Matter of fact, I've had people who have asked me to come, come and pray and say, is there any way that you could write down your prayer? I'm thinking, are you crazy? Well, you can pray, just don't say in Jesus. I'm thinking, okay, I won't do it. So anyway, so Samuel gets up to the platform and he's getting ready to ready to pray, and, he's, and he starts out, in the name above all names, at the very name every knee shall bow and tongue shall confess, in the only Savior, my God, Jesus Christ. And the crowd erupted. Positively. But understand, you can say your prayer all you want. But if you don't say Jesus, who are you praying to? Number four in your notes is Jesus is the word. We understand that, right? We understand that Jesus is the word of God. He is God, but he is the word. And The Bible tells us there in verse three, I believe it is, that all things, all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that had been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and yet darkness did not overcome it. Guys, Jesus is God. There's lots of people that want to take God, but they don't want anything to do with Jesus. And I'm here to tell you today that you can't have one without the other. I'm here to tell you that, guys, you have to know what he is before you can believe who he is. Did you, I, I typed that out just in case you didn't get that. You have to know, and I messed it up, you have to know, you have to know what he is before you'll ever believe who he is. You have to know what he is so that you can understand the impact of who he is when he died on the cross for you. If you don't know what he is and he says, come to me, all ye that are heavy laden. If you don't know what he is, you don't understand who he is telling you to do that. You just think he's some other little G God. I serve a God who chose to reveal himself in the person of Jesus Christ so that my finite mind could get a grasp, a glimpse 
of the love that he has for me. Guys, in order for you to believe, you can have all the head knowledge in the world. The head knowledge isn't going to get you anywhere. It'll get you a Matthew 7. For those of you that aren't familiar with Matthew 7, you can go back and read it, write it in your notes. Go back and read it. It says that in the, in the end time, there'll be many people come to Jesus, and they'll say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this, this, and this in your name? And Jesus, God, will look at them and say, depart from me. I don't, even know, I don't even know your name. You did that all for you, not for me. I don't know about you, but I want to believe in who he is. I don't just want to know what he is, but I want to believe in who he is. See, guys, for a lot of years in my own life, I knew what he was. And you can do that intellectually. You can know what he is. But I wanted to believe in who he was. And that had to come from my heart. That had to come from the place where I was just tired of being tired. I was tired of being caught up in the circle of brokenness because of my sin. Because of what I did. I was tired. And I, I was looking for a way out. I... I was looking for a way that it had to be better than doing life in a circle. Because have you ever turned circles? I mean, honestly, have you ever just sat there and just turned circles like this and, you know, just wondered what was going to happen? Because that's what happens when we do life without Jesus. See, on occasion, we can stop and steady ourselves up enough and if I'd turned two or three more times, I wouldn't have been. But on occasion, we can stop and steady ourselves enough to be able to make it. But most times, what happens? We stop, we hit the ground, we start staggering, right? I mean, we see things differently. Why is that? Because the devil's got you stuck in a circle. He's got you spinning in life. Jesus says that if you'll come to me, if you'll repent of your sins, if you'll turn up, I, I know that word repent, we think, oh, that's a big word. Well, Jesus used it, so, uh, and it's in red. But repent just means this, guys, just turn away. It doesn't mean that you're perfect and that you never turn back. It just means that you turn away and you're trying. Repent and believe. Now, guys, again, I don't believe you can believe who he is till you know what he is. But it's an 18-inch journey for you to make. Some people, it takes forever. It's 18 inches from your brain to your heart. Some, for some people, it's a lifelong journey. Some people get it as kids. I applaud those. For me, it was a 31-year, uh, 32-year journey to be able to understand it, to get it. But it says, repent and believe that Jesus is who he said he is. Not what he said he is, but he is who he said he is. Then the Bible gives us the gospel, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God took the old me 
and said, I'm going to set him over here and not even remember who he is. Now, Tony, I know you're going to screw up. You're going to mess up. But you know what? I want you to know that I love you enough. I sent, you, I sent my son to die for your past, present, and your future sins. And I'm going to set you here, son, and I'm going to walk with you. I want you to understand that you belong to my family, and now you've chosen to believe in me. And son, I'm going to walk with you for all of eternity. See, that's the circle. And then we, we're done with the circle. Then we get to recover and pursue what God wants. There's no more dizziness. Then we get to figure out what our destiny is. What is it that God has created you to do for him? But guys, if you, if you won't even believe, you'll never get to figure out what your destiny is. So I, I want to have Brother Ron play a song. I want to open the, the altar up because this is what I know. I know things, and this is one of them. I know that this week... You've had ups and downs. I know that this week, regardless of what's happening in your life, that God has said, I've still got you. But there's some of you that have felt lonely. There's some of you that don't understand that God has you. And I want you to understand that if you'll just come, and you don't have to come to the altar and pray, but you need to take a moment and just thank God that he knew you were going to go through this week and that he stayed right there with you the entire time. But then there's some of you who don't even, you know, like, you may know what he is, but you've never believed on who he is. And maybe you've got more questions, and that's okay. We're not here to get you to drink the Kool-Aid and, you know, believe like we do. What we want you to do is we want you to understand that you belong here. See, the church isn't for righteous people. The church isn't for perfect people. Because if it was, we'd all be out of here. The church is for lost people. The church is for sinners who need a Savior. So guys, we want you to know that you want here. No judging on our heart. We just want to love you, and we want to walk with you. So maybe you're, you're here and you say, Preacher, I'd like to know more. Well, I would love to take my Bible and show you. Pastor Tom will take his Bible and show you. Miss Cindy will uh, open her Bible. Miss Blanca... Well, a woman with a woman, a man with a man, and we will show you what Jesus did for you. No pressure on our part. We just want to show you. So maybe you're here and that's what you need. Or maybe you're here and you're a husband and wife and you guys just need to pray together. You just need to say, okay, we're just going to pray together. We just need to air, cool the air. We just need to get before God together. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're here and your spouse isn't here with you and you just need to pray. And you want someone to pray with you? We'll get someone to pray with you. All right? I want to pray for you and we've already got people coming. So if you want to come, come on. Father God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for what he means in our own lives. God, we thank you for what he means in the world's life. And God, we pray right now, Father, as people get honest with you, Father, as they... They bow their knee to you. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work and move. God, I pray that if there's one in here who's never trusted who your son really is, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw them. God, I pray that you would save them. And that as the Bible says, today would be their day of salvation. God, we understand that when that happens, there's a party that happens in heaven. Father, in the presence of the angels, that you, God, are throwing a party because another one of your children have come home. 
So God, we pray that you would work and move in that. Father, be with the groom's family. God, I pray that you would comfort Miss Ann, comfort the boys. God, I pray that you would just be with Carp, continue to touch his body and help him. And now, Father, as we move into this time of prayer, God, I pray that you would move.